Good evening and welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us and help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, for episode 102. The day is Monday, September 25th, year of our Lord, 2023, and we're happy to be back with you for another episode. I'm going to start changing the format of the show on Mondays, we'll do housekeeping on Wednesdays and, and any other day during the week that we have an episode, I'm going to get right into the topic. Um, on Fridays, as you know, we do our special guest episodes. This week, you're going to have an extra special guest episode. Wednesday, we're going to have Mama White in the studio, hopefully, but we're going to find a time to to interview Mama White, my mother, Rebecca White, um, for, for a, a, a special family and friends guest episode. And I would usually do the housekeeping on Mondays. Going forward, we'll do housekeeping on Mondays, whatever that is. But I want to jump straight into the topic today because I'm, I'm hyped up today. Let's just say that. I'm, I'm, you know, rarely am I hyped up. I mean, I think people see these clips of me going off online or, or um, you know, I've definitely had these moments that have been viral where I'm sort of, you know, passionate and, and you know, ranting let's say, for lack of a better term. I don't like the word rant because they use it to discredit when people are saying very important things. But, but you know, for lack of a better term, there's a lot, of, a lot of content of me going on rants about a given topic. And that's usually what people like. And that's usually what has that, that viral potency, which is kind of on par for what we're going to talk about today. But, but I'm hyped up today. Um, if you've been following the conversation, around Jason Whitlock and Deion Sanders, and this conversation is what my Friday episode was about. Um, you know, you'll see that people have a, a, a wide variety of, an opi- of opinion. And uh, I spoke with Jason on the phone earlier this morning, and, you know, I love Jason Whitlock. He's provided invaluable, an invaluable service to the, the dialogue uh, uh, for everybody around the world. I mean, it, 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 it's unquantifiable what truth tellers in this day and age are um, providing for for the greater good of humanity and, and civilization and society, and particularly people who are citizens of a country and want to actually have a country. And we'll talk some about that today as well. So we're getting right into it in a continuation of Dion and Jason, but I don't really want to talk about Dion and Jason specifically, because I think that sort of has this the strange way of distorting the conversation for many of the people who are viewing and watching, I want to talk about it at a much broader and, and bigger level. Uh, and, and I'm going to try and incorporate Jason and Dion into it. Not that I didn't do that on Friday, but I want to get much, much, much more specific. And we'll start with this. We are about to enter into World War Four. This is we're on the brink of World War Four. World War Three already happened. World War Two ended. Um, I think it was 1945, maybe May 1945 is when the Germans surrendered. The Germans surrendered in, 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 no, I'm sorry. The Germans surrendered in September of uh, 1945 after we had bombed uh, Nagasaki and Hiroshima with the, with the, with the atom bomb earlier in, in August, early August of, of 1945. And that, that was the, the culmination, so to speak, of, of World War II. The Japanese um, 
would would uh, so surrender uh, a, a small time later or after that. And um, World War Three began right away. World War Three began right away, and World War Three was the inception of and the consecration of the United Nations as this holy governing body with which all of the humanists and the secular humanists and the anti-war and the and the uh, the the ultra religious the, the anti-war ultra religious the the people who were uh, you know categorically against any number of human rights issues could fall under the umbrella of the United Nations and the, the, the inception of and the consecration of the United Nations as a holy governing body was the beginning of World War III. The restructuring of the entire global economic system at Bretton Woods during the Bretton Woods Conference in, in, in conjunction with the inception of the United Nations and the, the expansion of power and involvement in our economic system from the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, which would come later, but this is all one sort of economic continuum of, of global policy. This was the beginning of World War III. World War III was an information war. World War III was a war of information in which the entire global populace was brought under the scope of technology and science and ultimately the convenience of governance and leadership. That was World War III. We are now about to enter into World War IV, which makes it fitting that the globalists, the World Economic Forum, and, and people such as Klaus Schwab call this, this chapter in, in society the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Um, a fourth turning. It, it, you know, there was a chapter that was missed. There was a chapter that was missed by the American people. There was a chapter that was missed by free people everywhere. The dumbification and docilification of, of, of uh, people all around the world. And in that misinformation war, one distraction in particular rose to the top as the go-to fail-safe way to distract people from the most important issues of, the, of their day. Uh, it could have been in the 60s, it could have been in the 70s, it could have been in the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, after the internet and social media took off, it got out of control. And now we're in a place where it is absolutely out of control. The misinformation and distraction that comes from this single, this single societal, you know, pastime, as they call it. It's not really a pastime, it's full time. But this, this, this single, single area of American culture is maybe the most uh, fail-proof distraction in human history. Manufactured distraction. Because there are things that distract us at a spiritual and physical and anatomical and biological level, right? There are, there are natural distractions from, from you know, it, for, for, the, for the human existence, for the human being, for the human spirit. There are things that naturally distract us. This one was manufactured, and it's sports. And I know I saw a lot of comments, oh, well, you take too long to get into it. You, you know, you take too long to get into the content. Look, I like to take my time, but if you want to fuck right away, let's, let's get it on. Let's get right to it. See, the Jason Whitlocks of the world are really being kind to you. 
the Jason Whitlocks, much like the Alex Joneses and the Steve Bannons of the world, are very, very kind to you. I don't have, I don't feel, I don't have that. I haven't developed that. Um, I haven't developed that yet in my own, in my own thinking, in my own rhetoric, in my own persona. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't work that way. And this is part of the reason why people reject a lot of what it is that I have to say. It's not because I'm taking too long to get into the content. It's because at bottom, what many people of, of their age, Jason, Steve, Alex, you know, that 50 to, to 70 range, those, those gentlemen uh, are very kind in, in their dissertation of, or their dissemination of, of knowledge and narrative. Very, very kind to you. Funny that they get called extremists and hateful and, and domestic terrorists and white supremacists and, and, and radical or tinfoil hat conspiracy theories and so on and so forth. Because what I see is them being very nice to you. You, the viewer. And if it doesn't apply to you, it doesn't apply to you. I don't want to say all of you out there because I know some of you love, respect, and admire Jason, Steve, and, and Alex. But, but I'm talking to the entire audience. They're nice to you. I'm not that nice. I'm going to tell you how it really is. We're going into World War IV, and we consented to it. I'm not going to tell you who the bad guy is. I'm not going to spend a lot of time pointing out the, the contradiction. And, and I do do that. But, but that's, not the, that's not the central uh, M.O. In, in, in this podcast or my time on the public stage at all. My time on the public stage has been one that's contradictory to the leadership you've been brainwashed and groomed to accept. You've been brainwashed and groomed to accept leadership that gets up to the microphone and finds that connection with you, finds that thing that, 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 that you can relate to. And then they talk about that thing at a level they think that you can access it. My time on the public stage, what I'm talking about on this podcast is skipping past all the pleasantries to say in an indisputable fashion, none of this is outside of our control because none of it is without our consent. Now, those men who are much older and wiser than me maybe have, have, um, have come to grips with the reality and I've been told this since I was a young kid. Not everybody's as smart as you. Oh, I think that's a cop out. But not everybody can understand what's going on out here. Not everybody is awake to the truth. And I call bullshit. I I understand that it it it, it in 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 reality, it it starts to function that way. But I question the motive. I question the spirit. I question the I question the the, the you know. I question how much people can really understand and how much they're just willful participants in. All right. None of what we are facing today is, is outside of our control because none of it was without our consent. In my time on the public stage as a young 32-year-old black militant smash-mouth nationalist populist is to tell everybody out there to cut the shit. Cut the shit. This, this is all with our consent. And I'm going to demonstrate in multiple ways over the course of this episode how this is with our consent. And I know you may not like it because it's much easier to give you a boogeyman or a bad guy and tell you they should be your focus. But I'm here to tell you, look in the mirror. You should be your focus. 
your willingness to accept tyrannical governance, your willingness to have your rights stripped away for you, from you for convenience, your willingness to buy into and pay for cultural distraction while they take those rights and, 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 and uh, deploy tyranny against you, that's what you should focus on first. Now, if you need a conduit to help understand, if you need a conduit in the conversation to help you better understand how the government is being tyrannical, how they're taking your rights, how they've gotten you to buy into and pay for the distraction, then I'm all for it. But I'm not so convinced that the people watching this show on a regular basis, Jason's show on a regular basis, Steve's show on a regular basis, Alex Jones's show on a regular basis, or any other truth tellers out there, I'm not so convinced that you don't already know how they're taking your rights away from you, how they're being tyrannical against you, how they've gotten you to buy and, and, and pay for the distraction. I'm not so convinced that you don't know. And even furthermore, for those of you who are not regular viewers or who are not regulars in the audience of the people I just mentioned, I'm not so sure you don't know either. And that's what we're here to talk about today because the Deion Sanders thing, the Deion Sanders, and, and, and let, me, let me say this. You're actually proving Jason right. <laughs> I had the two-hour podcast on Friday, and then I gave the, the pushback against Jason that I think is rightful and necessary, and I have continued to and still to this very day told Jason, go up. Don't, you know, just go up. You, you can go as high as the political conversation goes, and if people can't access it, that's on them. At a point in time, we all have to decide if the people we're trying to reach don't want to see and hear the truth, is it worthwhile to spend more time and energy to fight for them to see it? And that could be around Christianity. That could be around politics. That could be around culture. That could be around sports. That could be around art, music. I don't care what the, what the topic is. If people don't want to see the truth, we all have to come to a point where we decide how much more we're willing to to uh, how much more time and energy we're willing to spend on that. And when I say Jason is being nice, that's what I'm talking about. A lot of you black folks out there actually think that, think that Jason is doing this out of spite. He's, he's being kind. He's actually trying to, trying to convey a message to you that on a broad basis, black people show they're not willing to get, they're not willing to digest. And, and, and while I was critical of Jason not being willing to travel into a, a, a higher conversation, the response to his video on Friday or, or throughout the week, the responses that we continue to see, the feedback, and the response to the video I posted proved his point. I talk about the military-industrial complex on a weekly, daily basis. I talk about Russia and Ukraine. I talk about COVID and, and global governance. I talk about your rights being stripped away from you. I talk about Satanism, the roots of genuine Satanism, both in our government, but also in the entertainment in, in, in industry that's become so so high profile and prominent and impactful in the, in the society we live in. I talk about those things all the time. And if you just watch the numbers, we have to start to ask ourselves a serious question here. Over the past week or so, I've been averaging around 4,000 views, 4,000, 3,000, 4,000 an episode on YouTube. I talk about Deion Sanders and Jason Whitlock, and it's double in two days. Now, is that YouTube kicking out an, un, an, uh, an unnatural or manufactured uh, 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 is that YouTube, 
Is that YouTube's algorithm creating an unnatural viewership of a given line of topics? Or is that us training AI in what we like to focus on in society? See, because the brilliant thing about AI is, is, is not that it, it has, it, the, the brilliant thing about AI is not the, sen the, the, the sentient nature that we're striving for. The brilliant thing about AI is it is a reflection of us, just like our governments traditionally have been a reflection of the people. AI will be the ultimate reflection of the will of people. I'll say that again for the people in the back who just came because the title had to do with some pop gossip sports topic that they get off on having an emotional investment in. The brilliant thing about AI is not the sentient nature we're striving for. The brilliant thing about AI is that it is the ultimate reflection of our will. It's the ultimate reflection of the people. Where governments, governments have been a, a, a greatly a reflection of the will of the people. AI will be the ultimate reflection and expression of the will of the people. That's the brilliant thing. So I can't tell, just like Jason can't tell, or many other people in the media, podcast, content creation uh, landscape, we can't tell if YouTube is, is Jimmy rigging the, the algorithm to, to, to generate more traffic which then generates more distraction or eyeballs around a given topic that isn't really mean shit, or if you all out there in the audience really just get off on watching shit that doesn't mean shit. Hard for us to tell. I mean, and this is something we got to sort out and sort out quick, and this is the danger of AI. This is the danger of artificial intelligence and this technocracy and fourth industrial revolution and, and you know, algorithms and, and the whole thing. This is the real danger. Hard to, give a, hard to take a real head count. Hard to have a real, a real good grasp of the spirit of the times, the zeitgeist, as they would say in the German, in the German language and lexicon. It's hard for us to see or understand what's really happening to the conversation itself. We don't know. Professor Penn here for Ghostbed. Because sleep is super important to your health, recovery, and performance. I know for me, getting a great night's sleep helps me perform my best throughout the day. Our friends at Ghostbed make super high-quality mattresses at excellent prices so you can finally get a supportive night of sleep. We love Ghostbed because it's a family-owned business. They've been making mattresses for over a couple of decades now, and they've made an art of using high-quality, super-cooling materials. You won't wake up in a pool of your own sweat sleeping in these beds even in the dead of summer. You get a 101-night sleep trial along with free shipping and returns when you purchase a mattress so you can try it in the comfort of your own home. And Ghostbed has a dedicated team of sleep experts on standby to help you find your perfect bed. Head to ghostbed.com upward slash Royce today and use promo code FPR for 40% off site-wide. They also have RV mattresses, foundation sheets, and cooling pillows. Head over to ghostbed.com upward slash Royce and use promo code FPR for 40% off site-wide. Maybe YouTube's AI uh, algorithms are so smart that they are now naturally, they are naturally guiding people towards their instinctual habits. 
And, and make no mistake about it, this is what they said they would do. This is what they openly said AI and, and, and big tech and, and social media was built to do, to use the human psychology, mental health, use the human psychology to understand how to better keep people in a rat maze. And if part of keeping you in that rat maze is to give you more of what you think you naturally are interested in on your own, that's exactly what the fuck they'll do. And the Deion Sanders things proves Jason's point. It proves Jason's point at a level more profound than he's even saying. Now, if many of you want to question me and my integrity, just go, just go fuck off. I mean, give me a break. Give me a break. I was speaking. I spoke out against the NBA and globalism and globalization before Donald Trump ever thought about taking a cross, uh, uh, t taking a walk or, or a ride down the escalator. I was talking about globalism in 2012. I was talking about the dangers and the, 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 the contradiction and the hypocrite nature of the black bourgeoisie and the BLM movement in 2013, before, before the BLM movement even kicked off with Trayvon Martin. I was the one saying free the Uyghurs. I was the one calling out Big Pharma. I was the one talking about the Uyghurs when, when everybody else in the, in, the, in, the, in the public eye, everybody else out on the podium was scared to make a peep about China and still scared to make a peep about China. Still scared to speak on behalf of the, of the Muslims that are being put in the concentration camps. And not just the Muslims, but the House Christians and the, and the Tibetans and, and a, a bunch of other people who have some type of spiritual and metaphysical faith people who don't believe in, in a supreme state or government as the highest authority, people who believe in God, people who believe in things beyond man. People still scared to talk about the Chinese because they're taking checks. I was the first one calling them out. A lot of these black celebrities, like Deion Sanders, mind you, who won't talk about China either, I guarantee you that, but y'all want to defend them. And I'm not saying I don't like Deion Sanders, and I'm not saying that everybody has to talk about every issue. But what I'm saying is when it comes to me, I'll say, oh, I, I, I'm, I am very, very comfortable being the moral arbiter when it comes to geopolitical issues or, or, or social issues. Very, very comfortable because I made those sacrifices and I've done the research and I am invested in and focused on and committed to this type of conversation and the issues that are involved and implied in these type of conversations where you might just tune in on an off chance that you have the spare time from your rat maze life that's been given to you by a global governance since back in 1945. I detached from that a long time ago. It's a miracle I'm even able to sit here. I thank God every morning I'm even able to come to a microphone and, and, and do this. It's nothing short of a miracle part of the reason why I know God exists is my own personal testimony. I was talking about China. Been talking about China. Been watching all these black athletes and public figures and celebrities pass up to talk about China. When George Floyd was killed, I brought and organized hundreds of thousands of citizens on a continual basis over three, four months and brought them to the most important places in Minneapolis to help guide the worldview about what was taking place instead of what CNN and the Don Lemon Finocchios were trying to push on their liberal mainstream media industrial complex outlets out there in the streets. I was in the streets and I was in the streets with white liberals, uh, uh, millennial white liberals who are committed to a cause, 
Some don't know what the cause is. Some know exactly what the cause is, but it surely ain't the cause they say. I was out there with them, ministering to them, and a lot of you black folks were were were, were uh, a lot of you black folks were sitting up in your fucking house. A lot of you black folks, when George Floyd, and not everybody, I know there were black folks out there around the country, but a lot of you black folks remained in your house. A lot of you Christians remained in your house. A lot of Republicans remained in your house. A lot of people stayed in the house. A lot of people want to stay in their fucking house. But then you want to have, you, you want to you ha- be the moral judge? You want to make the cultural and political analysis on what's going on from your little fucking uh, YouTube account? And respectfully. Respectfully, listen twice as much as you speak. The same thing applies for how you operate and handle yourself and behave on these social media platforms because you start to show your true colors. You're not fooling me. You may be fooling somebody else in the comment section who has this, this, this algorithmic syndrome, but you're not fooling no real motherfuckers. You definitely ain't fooling me. I was out there with the white liberals in the heart of Minneapolis, Minnesota. We call it the belly of the beast for a reason. And I made them bow their heads and pray. And we went to the Federal Reserve, whether they wanted to acknowledge it or not. That's leadership. And I've seen a lot of you pass up on it. So t- to question me is like, to question my integrity in this shit is, is laughable. Laughable. And, and the, as soon as I was able to, as soon as I was an adult, as soon as I was able to get out there on my own two feet and push back against the establishment and all the things they have working, I was doing it. And I continue to do it to this day. That's what the Senate campaign is really about. The Senate campaign is to help, is to help encourage people that their citizenship and the power of we the people is, 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 is something that could actually change and benefit not only the American people as a whole or the nation, but you as an individual. The Senate campaign is about the promotion of self-governance and how the Senate has become the swamp that Donald Trump said it is of crony capitalists who fatten their pockets and they come to the camera or the podium and speak about cultural wedge issues to let you get your rocks off and feel like you have political power. They want to give you the perception of political power. And as soon as they get off the camera, they go right back to fucking you. And see, so you guys got me hyped up today. I use, I've been, I've been trying not to swear, but it's getting, it's getting out of hand. Why do you think that people have such an emotional investment in this Deion Sanders story? Why? Why is it so important? Now, Jason's deal with it may be personal. I'm not in his heart. I'm not in his head. I'm not, I'm not defending him. I'm just telling you how it is. Yeah, there is a serious problem in our community and in our entire American culture with false idols. There is a big, big problem with false idols, and it's not arguable. It's not really a debate. The debate is self, it's it's self-fulfilling. The debate doesn't really, there is no debate. Because if we weren't constantly distracted by false idols who were propped up and given to us through these distractionary mechanisms and industries, there'd be no way that you would let the government do what it's continued to do to you or the corporate people it works at the behest of or the crony capitalist puppet politicians there in D.C. There'd be no way you would willfully participate in this system unless you were following or worshiping false idols. Now, you can say that's not me. 
But when Jason makes a general cultural analysis about the state of black America, where's the debate? I mean, and even if you want to take it at this level, if Jason is saying that that the Deion Sanders phenomenon is actually uh, 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 is actually is actually a microcosm for how individuals make themselves their own idol, and in making themselves their own idol, they start to worship and admire and follow other more famous or 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 high profile individuals who make themselves their own idol. We're still talking ball. We're still talking. We're still talking shop. This is a reality. You you explain to me in the comments. I see you. I see some of you in the comments. I'm not even. I, I just said, hey, I'm just gonna go on the podcast and talk to these people. If they got the fucking balls to come back, I can't go through every comment and start getting in some some back and forth in the comment section. I don't got time for that shit. But I'm reading the comments. I'm reading the feedback because I want to see what people actually think. It's interesting to, for me for the to, for the life of me. For the life of me, when I walk outside or I wake up in the morning and I read the Federal Register or I go to the Washington Post or I'm in an Uber, for example, last night, and I'll talk about this in, in a little bit, in the Somali, and I got two Somali Uber drivers over the course of the day, and the Somalis tell me in the, in the, in the Uber, we don't support the LGBTQ community. We don't support the LGBTQ agenda. We don't do that with our kids and our families and our homes and our communities. We don't do that. Somalians, we, we align 80% with, with conservative values. We don't like Ilhan Omar. She's fake. I start to ask myself, how is it that we've allowed the mainstream media industrial complex on either side of the aisle to tell us that Ilhan Omar, Ilhan Omar's success in Congressional District 5 is due to how many Somali immigrants are in there? And I would venture to guess I could walk through Cedar Riverside which is one of the, the main central places here in the Twin Cities where the Somalians live, I could walk through Cedar Riverside safe, safely, because I'm going to bring those boys with them gun, with them, with them choppers with us, with me, because I believe in the Second Amendment for real. I could walk through Cedar Riverside, though, in love and in peace and ask each one of those Somali men down there in that community if they support the LGBTQ uh, agenda and, and encouraging or promoting or, or supporting or allying the idea that their son should cut their penises off in support of their, their gender identity, their exploration of their gender identity. And I, in each, and I guarantee you at around an 80% clip, I'd say even higher, 90%, those Somali men don't believe in it. My, my point is the Somalis are, are, more, uh, are, are more rational than black America right now. Scary to say. I don't know how some, I don't know how many times I see these Negroes in the comments when I post some crazy shit about the LGBTQ at the elementary school saying, why does it, why does it matter to you? Well, motherfucker, we got kids in the school. I have children that age. What do you mean? Why does it matter? And I say all this to not to go off on a tangent or not to go get too far off topic, but what I'm saying is it is obvious. It is obvious that the American people and that free people all around the world were, were, the, were the psychological victims in World War III, were the psychological victims of an information war, of a propaganda war. 
the war of dumbification. It's clear. It's clear. We don't even ask the same questions as our, as our, as our, you know, as our grandparents and great grandparents did. We're not even, we're not even in the same headspace. We don't see it. Every new generation thinks they're hot shit. And I'm not saying they didn't make mistakes. I'm not saying they didn't have problems. I'm not saying some of these institutions, I mean, 1945 was a long time ago. Some of these institutions should have never, should have never been allowed uh, to, to be instituted, to be, you know, created. I don't think they were created in good, in good spirit. I don't think they were created in earnest and good faith. I think the creation of the Federal Reserve was predatory. G. Edward Griffin shared with us how the inception of the Federal Reserve at, at that time was predatory and corrupt. If you didn't see that, go back and watch the episode Creature from Jekyll Island with G. Edward Griffin. So, yeah, some of them made mistakes, but, but the difference is the difference is the referendum of political issues and political topics was not out there for everybody to discuss like it is now. We live in the proliferation of politics. We are living in an age where politics has become proliferated. Meaning, the, pop, the, the issues, the information is out there for all of us to, to, to access. The information is out there for all of us to see. All of us to look up. The information's right there. But yet we have more time for sports than anything else. And we say we, we're not idolizing. We say we're not worshiping him. No, we're not worshiping him as an individual, but we do worship sports as a suitable distraction to more important things that pertain to your citizenship or your right to be a sovereign human being under the rulership of God. A creator, we do show a worship of 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 uh we do show a worship of that, and I think that's exactly what what Jason is talking about for the most part. It's like, do you kneel at the altar and and say ten Dion Sanders, right? No, that's not that's not what we're saying. That's not what I'm saying anyway. And this ain't even really about Dion Sanders. Now Jason has an, a a a a more specific political point that he's trying to make about Deion Sanders and the nature of celebrity as it functions for black America writ large. And some of that is true. We all pick the topics that we want to talk about to drive home the points that we want to drive home. If he wants to use Deion Sanders, it makes sense because all of y'all are, I mean, Deion Sanders was trending. And you all have been trained to think that somebody trending is an example of success. Which one is it? Which one is it? And this is what's funny about it. You know, the same black people will be saying, yeah, man, we live in the matrix. Well, which one is it? Do you live in the matrix and is the, the architect in the white suit in the room, the, the plain white room with, 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 with the TVs all around, pulling the strings and pressing the buttons? Are you living in the matrix or is Deion Sanders trending on Twitter an organic and natural net positive of, of people's interest? Which one is it? We have to decide now. I mean, culturally, we have to really make a decision about how we view this. 
Which one is it? And I said it before, and I'll say it again. Do you? Th why is it? I mean, just think about it. Think about it. We live in a time where the most dangerous people to the establishment are either killed or they're unalived. Do you think? Oh, then you, you know, oh, it's just football, though. No, nothing's just football. Nothing's just anything anymore. In reality. And then I had somebody make this. I mean, it, 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 it's a constant reminder. And it's beneficial for me. So don't get me, don't get me twisted here. I enjoy it. I love it. I've signed up for this. This is good. And, 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 and I think it's uh, uh, productive for me as somebody who wants to represent the people to both give a message that inspires, that inspires people to a higher to a higher intellectual understanding, that's what real leadership is, not just parroting to whatever people will click on. It's productive for me to see what people have to say. Because then I start to be, I can start to diagnose where the where the gap is in critical thought and logical, logical thinking. You know, in critical thought or, or what they would call uh first principles. I can see the 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 I can see. The void. I had one person say to me in the last video from Friday's episode, I had one person say to me, and this is verbatim, you're contradicting yourself. First you say, Coach Prime is done. We should stop talking about him. That time is over. But then you say sports is more dangerous than the military-industrial complex. Which one is it? This was something somebody said in the comments. And now I'm going to start to pull comments on certain days when we, or maybe reaction videos, and I'm just going to react to comments. Now, I don't know if the comments are real. I don't know if the comments are bots. I don't know what the deal is with comments in general. We haven't even worked that out, but we all pretend as though we know exactly what the comments are doing. I don't know what the comments are doing, but I'd love to be able to take this comment as an intellectual idea and help frame how the, 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 the crisis of first principles in the online or internet dialogue is profound. And it is profound. You're saying Coach Prime is, is done. We should stop talking about him because it's not that important. He's not that important. And yet you say that the pro sports, that sports is more dangerous than the military industrial complex. Yeah, yeah, I did say both things. And both things are true. Deion Sanders is not the be-all end-all of our, should not be the be-all end, should not, is not the be-all end-all of political focus, social focus, cultural focus. It shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. At the same time, if you equate Deion Sanders to the entire sports culture worldwide, I question your IQ. Honestly, honestly, I question your cognitive ability, your fundamental cognitive ability, if you can't make the distinction of Deion Sanders and this specific moment in an American college football history and the entire sports culture worldwide and the impact or function it has as a distraction from people's real politics.
If you can't make that distinction, just unsubscribe. Go continue to be a jerk off. I'm not in the business of trying to reach you. I'm really not. Because to me, it would seem you're too stupid for me for us to even to for us to even merge plot. We can never merge plot. You're too dumb. And I'm also into separating the dumb and the weak from the strong. In the dialogue. Like I said, I don't want a million subscribers of people who are jerking off. I want 10,000, 100,000 pipe hitters. I want 100,000 people where when we hit that button and we press record and we start to stream and we say, this is what it is, this is what the action is, we're talking to people who are going to go do something. That's what I'm here to do. I'm the hatchet man. In the, in, the, in the smash mouth nationalist populist movement, I am known as the hatchet man. I'm not here to, to, to play around. We don't have no more time to play around. Go play around with your mama and them. I'm not going to play with you. Yeah, Deion Sanders is not the most important issue, should not be the most important issue on anybody's mind given what we're looking at globally as a society. He shouldn't be the top of the list for anybody. And that's Jason Whitlock included. But the idea and the function of professional sports and idolatry as a global, global issue is more dangerous than the military-industrial complex because sports and distractions like sports and the idolatry of certain celebrities and individuals who often are puppets or controlled opposition has functioned as a distraction from what the military-industrial complex is doing at such a level, it makes one think that the military-industrial complex is in charge of the distraction. And in that way, it makes it so. It makes it a a, a, a truth. An, a, a, it makes it indisputable that the product from the military-industrial complex is more dangerous than the complex itself. The complex has provided you a distraction that's going to keep you in the rat maze, so you can't ask basic questions. Who are, you, who are you talking about? Well, what do you mean the military-industrial complex? You say that all the time. It's a big word. You just want to sound smart. I mean, that's how fucking dumb we've become as black people. You can't even say a basic term, a basic political term like the military-industrial complex without black people presuming that you're doing it just to sound smart. How fucking dumb, how fucking self-doubtful and self-loathing are you? Military-industrial complex is too hard for you to grasp? Maybe it's because in your public schools that have slowly been decayed to the point where the average American parent doesn't even realize the LGBTQ has taken complete control over the elementary level learning. Maybe it's because in those same schools, when you were coming up, when they taught you about JFK and all this American history, they were very intentional in the curriculum to leave terms like the military-industrial complex out. Why? Because the schools teach you to be a worker. They don't teach you to be a thinker. The schools teach you how to follow directions, how to, how to sit down and shut up. And they function like that well before the LGBT. Q took over. 
well before. Public school and school in general has been functioning like that for a long, long time, especially in this country, but maybe since time immemorial of schooling itself. Military-industrial complex. Let's get to the CIA. The CIA, Operation Mockingbird. <laughs> what do you want me to say? What do you want me to dance around? You, so, so I'm tap dancing when I'm talking about Jason Whitlock, but you have more focus and emotional investment and have more emotional initiative, let's say. More emotional initiative to actually comment under a video when we're talking about Deion Sanders and Jason Whitlock and Jason has it wrong? How much do you comment when we talk about military-industrial complex? How much, do you, how much do you comment when we talk about Operation Mockingbird? Go ahead in the comments now. If you want to leave a little comment about the Deion Sanders and Jason Whitlock uh, debacle, whatever you want to call it, dispute, debate, if you want to leave a comment about that, great. But also, leave me a comment about Operation Mockingbird. Leave me a comment about the military-industrial complex. Leave me a comment about Operation Paperclip. Again, you guys, white supremacy, white supremacy, white supremacy. It's like you say it three times like Beetlejuice, and, and, and you know, white liberal women appear with flowers and, 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 and red carpets and, and spotlights and, and, and crescendos of, of, of brass instruments, and it's just like this weird, weird seance of, of self-loathing, self-doubt, and victimhood. And I'm not saying that white supremacy doesn't exist, but it's so funny how selective we are. And even more than, than selective, we're just really shallow with it. I mean, we're so shallow with our, with our discussion around white supremacy. We're so shallow about it. It's shallow. It doesn't hit any third, fourth rails. It's, it's, just, it's just kind of milk toast. Even when we talk about something with implications as, as grave and dark as white supremacy, we talk about it in a milk toast way. You think that's by accident? Maybe you are just an idiot organically. I tend to believe that the CIA and the military industrial complex and the, and the, psych, the, the, social, psycholo the social psychological scientists that are the real intellectual and thought leaders of this anti-human uh, 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 secular global movement are smart enough to figure out how to brainwash you. I mean, at least they, be they believe they figured out how to brainwash you. Let me be more clear. I mean, you may not believe in them, but they certainly believe in you. And they believe in their ability to brainwash you. They've written that in their white papers. This was the rat experiment. I mean, they, they, they set up a rat experiment and they figured out that rats would electrocute themselves to the point of death. They would select for a slow, painful, excruciating, and torturous death in order to achieve the goal of getting the dopamine hit from said drug in the given experiment, whether it was coke or, or heroin or meth or whatever it was. In order to get the dopamine hit, they would electrocute themselves to death. What do you think that experiment was for? 
You think that experiment was to help to, to better understand the psychological nature of mice? <laughs> You're the rat. You don't get it. You are the mouse. You are the mouse living in the rat maze. You're the mouse running over and, and, and taking cheese off of the rat, rat trap playing Playing uh, Frogger is the game we used to play. I don't know what it's called, but playing Frogger out there in the, the, the traffic of human existence. You're the mouse. You are the rat. Let me say it as clear as possible. You're the rat. Now look out in your life. Wake up in the morning, sit up on the edge of the bed, and think. Of all the ways in your life that you are being controlled by, by powers and, and, and government and, and organizations that preside over you that you don't even realize, start to think about that. And once you start to unpack that, once you start to unwind and untangle that, then you can start to appreciate the rhetoric and the dialogue and the, and, and the, uh, the, uh, the content of an Alex Jones. I did it early on. That's why I can talk the way that I talk. I did it early on. And I did it with my own life. My rejection of the NBA, my rejection of the NBA wasn't based on white supremacy. Ooh, ooh we said a boogeyman of white supremacy. Using a black athlete like a slave. Yeah, I read $40 million slaves. I get the economic Ponzi scheme of it, of course. Yeah, that's fucking wrong, yeah, no doubt. But my rejection of the NBA wasn't, wasn't about wasn't about white supremacy. It was about psychological supremacy. It was the idea that they were going to use me as a cog in the machine to create a perpetual amusement park that never closes to distract people from more important things. That's what offended me. And when I called them on it, when I, when I called them out on it, they said, yeah, okay, you got us, but who's going to listen to you? We got everybody else. Understand what I'm saying to you. Understand what I'm saying to you. When I called the NBA out for their role in this sort of psychological supremacy and misleading and misinforming of the American people and people all over the world that the brand touches. When I called them out, they said, yes, you got us. Mia Copa. Mia Copa, we were wrong. But who cares? Because we already got everybody else. That's when I started looking into the psychological science of the of the of the uh, of the intelligence community or the military industrial complex and the testing. Because for the life of me, I couldn't figure out why these same black people who want to rush to the defense of Deion Sanders sided with the establishment when the young black man said mental health is the most important social issue we face. And now Jason may not call upon my story to help articulate and highlight how the people who say they support Deion Sanders are at, for the reasons they support him are full of shit. He may not do that, but I surely will. I remember being a 21-year-old kid, still hopped up on Prozac from the medical industrial complex, doing my best to talk in my own voice 
And when I say my own voice, the tone and texture of my voice was actually different from the from the 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 antidepressants, which is a common side effect. Increases the estrogen, decreases the testosterone, not by accident. That's why a lot of men who go on antidepressants often have erectile dysfunction. Now, me personally, my member was big enough and potent enough where I didn't have the erectile issues. But my voice had changed. And I was doing my best to go out on the public stage and talk about an issue that was well beyond my understanding in the interest of every person out there who may suffer from a mental health issue and felt like they were in a position where they couldn't talk about it. For whatever reason that may be, maybe their family, maybe their, 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 um, their, their spouse or their lover or their, their significant other romantic partner, maybe from their school or their work or whatever the case may be, their social circle, whatever it was that had discouraged them for talking about mental health, I went out and spoke on behalf of in front of the entire world. And all these black folks called me stupid. All these black folks caped up for the NBA. All these black folks caped up for the potential or the ability to be able to chase money, power, and fame. So who are you to condemn Jason Whitlock? And I'm not defending him. I would say it about anybody. It ain't about our personal relationship. Who are you to call him the sellout? You're saying it's white supremacy. Why the fuck are y'all still watching the NFL at all? Why are y'all still watching college football at all? Why are y'all still watching the NBA at all? Let's get down to the, 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 the root of it. Who's running it? Whose money is it? It's your money. It's your money. It's your viewership. It's your attention. It's your willingness to buy into the distraction. Managed and brokered by people who understand the real game of politics, the real game of geopolitics, the real game of governance and ruling is the production and consumption of energy. Not just physical energy, natural gas, oil, fossil fuels, not that sort of energy, that too, but human energy. Human participation. These are the people who govern over you, and you criticize them so selectively, right? Your emotional investment is so selective. And in that selectivity, you prove Jason Whitlock right. You want to prove Jason Whitlock wrong. You want to say that Jason Whitlock is way off the rails and focused on some shit for some personal vendetta? Prove it. Stop watching college football altogether. Stop watching the NFL. Stop watching the NBA. And I know it's extreme. Maybe not all at once, but start to cut back. <laughs> start to cut back from the distraction. And you watch how the establishment gets desperate in their attempt to restructure the distraction. These are massive cultural, social, psychological choices that we can make as a community or as many communities across the country and all around the world that can really fight back against the establishment at a fundamental level. And when we choose not to do it, I don't think it's because we don't know how. When we choose not to do it, I don't think it's because we don't know when and where and why. 
I don't think it's a crisis of first principles. I think it's a crisis of the spirit, the human spirit of our will. It's a crisis of the will. We can fight back against this establishment easily, easily, easily. Stop taking the cheese. Stop going for the cheese on the trap. You all know you're doing it. I know I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I know. I know what is what's in it for somebody who's creating content to come out and just tell you the 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 raw, unadulterated truth. It's not them. It's you. I know you hate to hear it. We all hate to hear that it's us. We all hate to hear that it's us. We hate to hear it. It's just, it's just a, that's just a common human trait. We hate criticism. And all of us do. Right? And, and look, let's be fair. I'm not telling you you got to stop watching college football all at once. I'm not telling you you got to stop watching NBA all at once. Let's talk about sports at a broader level. Is it really Deion Sanders? That's the issue. Is it really Deion Sanders and what Deion is or isn't doing? That's the issue. No, it's not. It's your response and emotional investment in Deion Sanders. That's the issue. And again, you show it in your response of Jason criticizing him. Great. Jason has done a great job once again to provide to to to. Jason has done a great job once again to use himself as as a litmus test to figure out where black people in America are really focused. And we rose to the occasion again in grand fashion. And I'm seeing it on Twitter and online all across, all across. It's white supremacy. They don't like Dion. They don't like this. They don't like this. It's just one, one more race narrative that the Democrat and liberal establishment can play ahead of an election, an important election, an important election that they plan to trick black people into, into being the savior of or stealing on the black back and identity of black people. White supremacy, white supremacy. Now, Dion's going to be the soft coup, uh, a Trojan horse for us to make the entire political argument racial. Another one is reparations, and I'll get to that one another day. Now, and reparations, reparations is the, 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 the um, we're not with either side. Both sides are corrupt, which is true. We don't necessarily support the LGBTQ getting all this funding, which is certainly corrupt. But now we're for reparations, and we only will take and accept reparations in this specific manner. And you got a bunch of people flocking to that movement just like they flocked to Deion Sanders. Now, in all fairness to them, at least that movement is closer to being politically relevant. At least it's actually political. But the sports thing is not even relevant. Sports is not really that relevant other than it has become the fail-safe, uh, I mean, the fail-proof go-to distraction for the establishment. Do you, wh- I mean, why do you think that sports is a 365-day, 24-7 spectacle? And what I meant to say was the, the real problem isn't Deion Sanders. The real problem is just how wide the, the, the river has gotten for commercial and professional sports in general. I mean, the river's gotten so wide, it's, 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 it's 
almost sickening. Look, I think Deion Sanders is great, to be honest. Me and Jason disagree on this. Do I think that Deion Sanders will speak about it? Will, 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 do I think Deion Sanders will risk his own personal gain and, and success to speak about issues at a deep, deep level? At a dangerous level? No, I don't. No, I don't. To be honest, no. No, I do not. Do I think Deion Sanders would go out and talk about the Uyghurs? No. Do I think there's a reason he invited P-Valley to Jackson State and hasn't spoke out against the LGBTQ movement as a child of God? No, I don't. Th no, I don't think that he's that guy. He wouldn't. He wouldn't do that. He won't sacrifice his own success in that way. And that's an indictable. That's an indictable uh, observation. It, it certainly is. Absolutely. Absolutely. The leaders of men, the leaders of young men should be willing to make the ultimate sacrifice in the interest of truth. That's fundamental to leadership. And it's fundamental to self-sacrifice. Really. I mean, all our great hero stories are heroes who sacrifice themselves in the interest of a great truth. If you're not willing to do it, you're not a leader and you're not a hero. So for people to treat you as such is dishonest. But, hey, I don't have to view or, or consider Deion Sanders in some grand political context. I can understand the political significance and in, in the culture of black America and America writ large when it comes to sports and commercial sports. I can see it, diagnose it, understand it, talk about it, and leave it at that. And even leave Deion Sanders in a place where I say, I like Deion Sanders personally. I'm sure he'd be fun to hang around, although, you know, these days my conversation often goes political. He may just, you know, not want to, not really want to talk about those things. But you'd be surprised what people want to talk about off camera versus what they'll talk about at the, at the podium in a press conference. In fact, I know a lot of people out there who are in front of the camera a lot, who are up on the podium a lot, and talk in this sort of monotone, safe, you know, way. And then when they're off camera, they come to me and say, hey, Royce, I wanted to ask you about this. And I love that. I embrace that. And I'm not going to out nobody and say no names because I want people to continue to feel they can trust to come and speak with me about political issues or, or geopolitical issues without, you know, without any... Uh, um, without any risk to their, you know, their professional standing or, or whatever it is that they feel uncomfortable talking about those things in the public. So I like Deion Sanders. I like Deion Sanders. How could you not like the athlete he was? How could you not like, how could you not like his, his, his sort of brash, you know, uh, uh, cocky, you know, you could say cocky, uh, arrogant, you know, sort of ways as a football coach. I like it. It was the same as he was as a football player. It's great. Sports isn't supposed to be this little humble nook of society. I mean, this is kind of a cover story that we've told ourselves in the conservative movement is like, you know, be humble. And, and you know, I, I'm going to get deeper on this because this is really the, 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 the nuts and bolts of what I want to talk about today as, as an intellectual idea to leave you with. So, so we'll get there in a moment. But my, my point is, I like Deion Sanders. That, that's, that's all good. That's all good. It's not even about Deion Sanders. What I'm having trouble with is that you fucking jerk-offs are actually so 
self-doubtful, so self-loathing, so cowardly in your abnegation of your own self-governance that you're willing to watch grown adults play tag. You're willing to watch grown men slap each other, slapping contests. Those are the two signals from the noise. Deion Sanders doesn't doesn't bother me as much because I know Deion Sanders is at least at least he's actually an entertaining guy. He's an entertaining personality. It's like if you watch The Apprentice, Donald Trump was an entertaining guy. He's an entertaining figure. He's entertaining on the political trail. That's why a lot of people like him and are drawn to him. Alongside of him saying that the inconvenient truth that most D.C. politicians would run from, let alone even whisper which is entertaining in and of itself. See, there's something entertaining about the truth. And as soon as you bourgeois sellouts realize that, we can actually start to fix things. But we'll wait. We all get to decide how the country goes up in flames now. My point is, I'm not so worried about Deion Sanders and your, your attention for him. I'm worried about the fact that sports has become such a broad, such a broad go-to distraction for the establishment that they now have built an audience. They now have found a jerk-off audience that's willing to watch grown adults play tag and grown men slap each other. That's the canary in the coal mine. That's what Jason's really talking about. Y'all are willing to get on, y'all are willing to sit at a television and watch grown adults play tag? You're willing to watch grown men just step up and put their head in front of the other one and see who can smack the other one unconscious first. I mean, it really is a secondary and tertiary, a secondary and tertiary uh, bastardization of, 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 um, of sports itself. And Deion Sanders should be offended. I'm offended. Jason Whitlock should be offended as a sports journalist. Look at what they're doing to sports itself. Now, part of it is the transgender putting a guy in an octagon with a woman and letting him fracture her skull because he says he's a woman now. Or letting Leah Thomas swim with women in college sports. Part of the bastardization is that. But part of the bastardization is the general lack of respect and reverence for human movement and skill and talent, which Deion Sanders had a lot of, has a lot of, still to this day. And his sons have it. They're, they're good. He's entertaining to watch. Now they got their motherfucking ass kicked this weekend. And, you know, neither here nor there for me. Doesn't really matter much. I, hey, yeah, you got your ass whooped. Hey, happens. I'm sure at some point in Dion's long football career, his team's going to whoop some other team's ass. It happens. So, such is life. Such is the way of life for sportsmen. Sometimes you go out and you fight in the octagon and you're having a great day. Sometimes it's neck and neck. Sometimes you get knocked on, you get clipped and knocked unconscious in the first round. It happens. Doesn't really care. Don't really matter to me. You know, if you're willing to lace them up, if you're willing to tie them up, if you're willing to get in that octagon, get in that ring, go out on that court and compete and compete hard and do it with some integrity, I respect that. I respect that. I admire that. I got to show respect for that because I'm an athlete. 
If you're willing to go and spend the time with these young men and these young kids and coach them, imperfections or not, I respect that. I admire that. Professor Penn here for Factor, the nation's top ready-to-eat meal kit. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are designed to be ready in just two minutes. It's as simple as heating and savoring, so you can swiftly return to conquering whatever your goals are without missing a beat. Imagine this. Chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered right to your doorstep. No more scrambling for recipes, no more tedious trips to the grocery store, and definitely no more chopping, prepping, or cleaning up after. Factor is here to ensure that you not only save precious time, but also maintain your commitment to a healthy lifestyle. That's right, your well-being. So as the fall season unfolds and your days get busier, let Factor be your culinary ally. You'll save time, you'll eat well, and you'll stay focused on what truly matters. Head to factormeals.com upward slash Royce50 and use code Royce50 to get 50% off. That's right, Royce50 for 50% off at Factor. Coaching is an admirable thing. Coaching is an admirable thing no matter what level you're at. I don't care if you're coaching the Colorado football team or the Oregon football team, if you're coaching the Minnesota Vikings, or if you're coaching the Pee Wee football team in the community. That's admirable. In fact, the Pee Wee football coach might be the most admirable. Now, the time commitment is probably the least, so maybe I'm maybe I'm over exaggerating it, but 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 you know, how we shape young kids is going to be more important than ever. And I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this, youth sports may be the last bastion to help breed, help shape, help teach young men to be men. Don't overlook that as a bastion of American freedom because the schools are gone. There's going to have to be a whole round of, 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 of a sort of Ron Paul storming of the, of, the Amer of the school boards all across America for us to get the school back. The schools are gone. If you saw my Twitter the other day or my Instagram post where I'm walking in the, in the, in the elementary school and the first wall of the first door in the school is all LGBTQ. No American history, no black history. In fact, the black history they smuggled into the LGBTQ history. And they had the and they had the poster of the black. You got to go to my Instagram and watch this if you can. They got the poster of the black guy with a COVID mask on. And the question was, what did black people invent on the backside of the a little tiny, you know, paper, paper size, printer paper size poster of asking a question, what did black people invent? On the backside of the entire hallway mural of LGBTQ and transgender flags. I pulled one of the black brothers, I pulled one of the black parents aside when we were walking in to go to the gym. I pulled them aside and said, you see this shit? He said, what is that? He said, what is that? I said, you see all these flags? He said, those, those aren't flags of different countries? Hell no, they're not different countries. These are flags of one sexual, uh, one sexual identity politics movement. These are a bunch of LGBTQ flags. And now every single one's got its flag and the alphabet is expanding and we're going to give a flag to every single letter that comes onto the, onto the, you know, that comes onto the stage. Every letter that gets added on, we're going to now have to add a flag. But the American flag is nowhere to be seen in the hallway, nowhere to be seen in the school. 
Are you fucking kidding me? And you black folks are going to act like, like on, on mass that we didn't allow the LGBTQ movement to jack the black identity to push this in the schools? And Jason Whitlock is wrong? Jason is wrong, but this is balls deep in our schools, for lack of a, no pun intended. LGBTQ balls deep in the elementary schools, and we're going to act like we're not distracted? Tell me how. Feel free. Drop in the comments. Be bold now. But be specific in your answer, because when you start going off on that bullshit riff, for a person like me who knows better, I'm not even going to. I, I say, oh, bullshit. Oh, shut the fuck up. Just know that. D ahead of time. Just know. When I see you. So think long and hard. If you want to comment or engage with the channel, think long and hard. And, and please give your most honest and authentic answer. Don't start down the, the, the woke uh, uh, bullshit diatribe because I just look at it right. I can tell from the tone of it. Because weirdly, it, it all kind of has a similar tone to it. I can just look and go, oh, shut the fuck up. You ain't talking about shit. Tell me in the comments how black people can claim that en masse we have not been distracted Tell me how we have not been distracted when we let the LGBTQ push a transgender initiative right up under our noses. Tell me. Tell me how you can make the claim that we haven't been distracted. Okay, now we're going to first principles. We're going to epistem epistemology, right? The acquisition of knowledge, how to discern true, what is true from what is false. If we accept that the only reasonable, the only reasonable explanation of how we let this LGBTQ agenda into our elementary schools is that we were distracted. Now we have to ask the question, what was the distraction? What was and still is that distraction? You tell me. Please. Please, I'm, we're open to, uh, look, I'm open to, 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 to your, your vantage point. Maybe I'm missing something. What was that distraction? What was and still is that distraction? Tell me. T please, by all means, drop it in the comments. There was a great distraction that happened after the Civil Rights Movement that, that shifted our basic political awareness and, 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 and involvement. Co-opted it. We've been co-opted. Black America has been co-opted in the in the most the, the 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 most emotional investment you have on the internet, on YouTube, in the comments is about Deion Sanders. It's a bigger indictment of you than it is Jason. Jason's a Jason's a is a is a is a sports commentator. Jason is a sports journalist. He's supposed to talk about sports. And I saw somebody say something about Brett Favre and, oh, why doesn't he have the same energy for Brett Favre? I don't know. What kind of weird question is that? I, I don't even know how to answer that. I know what you want to say is because Brett Favre is white, right? But again, why do we judge ourselves against white people so much anyway? 
Why would if if when and this goes back to coaching? That's why I said pee wee coaching is so important. There's a saying when you're when you're a coach. There's a saying in in the youth sports in the youth sports world or in the sports world in general. And all my people who played on a team or who are athletes can please feel free to get in the comments and and confirm or affirm uh, this this sort of uh, cultural this 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 cultural um, norm. When a coach doesn't talk to you, when a coach doesn't get on you, when a coach doesn't criticize you, that means he probably doesn't care that much about you. That means he probably doesn't necessarily believe in you. If a coach gets on you, if a coach goes out of their way to, to talk to you or to give you that constructive criticism, that is a symbol at least traditionally in the sports world and sports culture, that is a symbol that they see something in you that they believe in, that if they can give you certain kernels or nuggets of, of wisdom and truth, you can be better or you can be better than a lot of other players. They see something in you. When people criticize you or, or get on you, a lot of times it's because they care. We've lost that. We think any time, this is another PSYOP. Yeah, sure, there's a lot of haters out there. There's a lot of people that jump in the comments. Some of you are going to do it right now. You, you, can't, you can't fucking help yourself because you're dopamine in the rat trap. Um, but there are a lot of people out there who just say shit just to say shit. But there are some people who are out there still that say things as constructive criticism to try and help push people in, in the right direction. That still exists. And we can't lose all faith and belief in that. We can't become a, a society that's so demoralized that anybody who says something to us that's critical or that, that, that disagrees with us is seen as an attack. Now, make that discernment for yourself. When people come and they say things that are so obviously an attack or, or, or you, know, uh, you know, not constructive criticism, you know what it is. You know how it feels. You know how it sounds. We all know how it sounds. It's flipping. It's sarcastic. It's it's arrogant. It's it's what you know whatever. Usually, you know, deprived of facts. And I'm not defending. I told Jason this morning. I don't care what you look. I love you to death. I love you to death. Keep talking about Dion this week if you want to. That's fine. I'll come on the show and talk about Dion with you. Fine. Talk about sports for the next year. Fine. But you got a higher calling, my friend. And we had a little disagreement about it, but we, we figured out a solution. We may be coming up with a solution, you know, to, to, to how to, how, you know, give a little and, and take a little. But I, I can assure you this, from my vantage point, Jason's motive is sincere. That's, from my, that's, my, that's my opinion. His motive is sincere. And it's a reflection of your unwillingness to take yourself serious, that he has to spend time talking about greater issues through the access point of a Deion Sanders. Look across the media. Trust me, and, and, this, and this is what I was, again, in closing, in closing, I want to say this. The media, the government, medicine, military, it's all a reflection of the will of, of the people. None of it is out of our control because none of it is, out of our, is without our consent. None of it is 
out of our control because none of it has been without our consent. All of these institutions, all of these governing bodies, all of these industries, all of these things that preside over us and, and have come to have a very, a very dominant, dominant impact on our life were done with our consent. They're a reflection of our will. That's the genius in them. The genius in Satan was to play on the vulnerability in the human will of Adam and Eve. That was the genius. Now, the genius of God and what you have to see in the in the in the um what you have to see in the bigger picture in the long game for God is that love for God, your surrender to God, your submission to God. In the other episode or in Friday's episode, we talked about the difference between law and order and peace and order in the great Thomas Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas of the Catholic community said, we don't want law and order. We want peace and order, peace and order. Peace is when man can submit his passions to his reason and his reason to God. Then he can have peace within himself and start to have peace with others, which creates order. In order for man to submit to God, in order for man to love God, man had to do it of his own free will. And it'll be a constant battle and fight for us to surrender and submit ourselves to God of our own free will. If, if that wasn't the case, it'd be easy for God to make creatures that just love him naturally, instinctually. Again, it's like a parent or a father or a coach knowing, knowing what's, what's good for you, even if it seems like it's hard and it's, tri it's, it's, it's turbulent and, it's, and it's, it's, uh, it's difficult. It's the genius and the brilliance of good parents. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to the temptation of evil. You understand? It's easy to see. It's, the whole thing is a matter of the human will. Free will. This is why freedom cannot be bastardized. This is the genius of our founding fathers. Our, our free will cannot be bastardized or impeded upon because when the free will is impeded upon, then it, 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 actually, it actually breaks, the, it, it severs the connection between you, the potential connection between you and God because no genuine love for God can be had through slavery. This was the actual, this was the actual, criticism of slavery that was the most salient and spiritual, metaphysical. It's not about the, 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 uh, it's not about, it wasn't about the cultural view towards bondage. In fact, you can make an argument that we went from, from chattel slavery to wage slavery. That was just an evolution of slavery. Now we're going to go into technological slavery or artificial intelligence slavery. It's another evolution of slavery. We haven't escaped slavery. They figured out how to make us voluntarily be slaves to our own psychological, uh, you know, to, to our, own, our own psychology.
We haven't escaped slavery. But the spiritual impulse to say that slavery was not natural was based on a faith in God, a belief in God, at, at, at the, at the, on the genuine, in where it was genuine, let's say. That in order to love God, in order to submit to God, you have to do it of your own free will. You can't be forced. These institutions, these industries are a reflection of our will. And the will must be clarified. Then we can enjoy Deion Sanders just as a football coach. Then we can hear Jason Whitlock's critique or his, his, his nightly show uh, with, with the proper with the, with the proper, uh, you know, mindset. Then we can begin to discern who is in on it and who is ignorant to it, who is corrupt, who is satanic, who needs more rebuking and refuting, who needs more of an exorcism and who just needs a nice little soft nudge around the, uh, around the edges. Then we can start to discern that. But first, the human will has to be clarified, and it's not clarified. And we can tell on mass that it's not clarified because these institutions are a reflection of us. Now, the mistake that most of us make is we look in the mirror and we say, yeah, but it's everybody else. It's a reflection of everybody else's will, not my own. That is the spiritual pride. That is the, the, the pride go before the fall. It is you. It is me. I'm not here preaching that I'm perfect, that I've clarified my will. I have not. I'm a 32-year-old young man, but I understand what the I understand the problem. I understand the problem very well. I understand the question that one must pose and fight with. What I'm not willing to do is have a conversation in the public and pretend that I'm trying to create that peace and order with other men, women, children, elders, whoever, under a false, false pretense. Let's not create any more dialogue or conversation under false pretenses because it's getting in the way of the very long road to clarify the will, our will. And that is going to be a long road. But the more time we spend on distraction, the longer it's going to, the more chance we're not even going to start to walk in the direction of clarifying the will. I hope that doesn't go over people's heads. I, I think it's straight to the point. These institutions reflect us. And I'll part with this. And the conservative, I mean, these, these narratives we built in the current political climate are so ass backwards, it's almost, it's, it's quite discouraging. Because you look at it and you go, how can we be getting it so wrong? In the conservative movement, for example, the conservative movement has prided itself in saying, you should be happy. Be grateful for what you have here in America. Look at your prosperity. Look at your prosperity in, in, uh, in, by comparison or in comparison to the rest of the world. Look at all that you have. And that's true. We do have a lot. But we shouldn't have to look at the rest of the world or, or the level of wealth and prosperity that American citizens enjoy to wake up in the morning with gratitude. Even right there, there's a Trojan horse into an investment in the state, in the government, in man, and not in God. We should wake up in the morning, no matter where we are in the world, no matter what type of life we have, and thank God that we woke up, that we're drawing breath. Because to just to be alive is a miracle within a miracle. 
And we've lost the, the reverence for that. We've lost the sacredness of that. Just to draw breath, just to be able to open your eyes in the morning and see and hear and breathe and taste. And, 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 and that is a miracle of a miracle. You shouldn't need any level of wealth or prosperity to have gratitude in the morning. That's the first Trojan horse. But then at the same time, people within the conservative movement will tell you, you're not oppressed. You're not oppressed. It's, it's the complete opposite. It actually is the complete opposite. Number one, you should wake up in the morning and be grateful without the radical materialism. But in doing so, in being waking up and being grateful, having that gratitude, it should grant you the ability to see and discern corruption with, with righteousness. When you have that level of gratitude, when you, when you live with that level of gratitude, it will clarify, it will begin to clarify the will, and it will allow you to see with righteous eyes. And when you can see with righteous eyes, you can tell which institutions are corrupt and which ones are actually oppressing you. And there are institutions out there oppressing American citizens. This is one of the huge criticisms I have of the conservative movement and its commentators. Their narrative is America is a great country. You're not oppressed. You should be thankful because look at Venezuela. That's a non-starter. First off, I'm an American citizen. I have no need to compare my citizenship versus the fucking Venezuelans, number one. Or anybody else around the world for that matter. This isn't a goodbye comparison sort of citizenship. This is a divine and self and, and a, a divine and 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 self-fulfilling righteous citizenship that we have here as Americans. Yes, I'm grateful that I woke up because without the creator who granted me inalienable rights, I wouldn't be able to draw a breath. I'm grateful for that. And in being grateful, I now have the vision and the righteousness to speak truthfully about the institutions that are corrupt and mean to bastardize our citizenship, but also offer us up spiritually to Satan. These things work in tandem, and these narratives are completely backwards. They're completely and utterly backwards, even in the conservative movement. I said it the other day about the nuclear family. There's a huge, huge cultural uh, uh, narrative coming out of the conservative movement that says the problem is fatherless homes. You know how many assholes I know that come from two-parent households? Now, the fatherless homes may make you more, may predispose you to criminal behavior or what they would deem as violent criminal behavior because you never had a man to, to help you understand restraint. And men need men. Men need fathers to help them understand restraint, emotional, the, the, the bridge between emotional, um, um, emotional impulse and physical restraint. That's something that, that good fathers teach their sons. Because it, it, and it's, it's demonstrable. It, it's, it's demonstrated in the home. It's demonstrated in their life when, when young men see older men have emotional impulse and then demonstrate that physical restraint. So yeah, that that's important. And yeah, I think the black community is uniquely uh, 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 torn and shows uh, uh, shows a proclivity towards violent crime 
in some ways at a disproportionate uh, sort of level against one another because we don't have fathers in the home. But the way our society was built, the real problem at, at the root, the way our entire society is constructed was constructed by people who had two parents in the home. And so, yes, we have to ask the question about the first thing, but we also have to have the courage and the clarity to ask the question about the second thing and arrive at the third thing that we have given over parenting to the state. The state has become our highest authority. The state is what we lean upon to teach our children the faith they should have in themselves and in the government. The faith they should have in science, the faith they should have in and academic credentials, the faith they should have in, in sitting down and, and clocking in and, and, and clocking out and shutting the fuck up, giving the answer they're told to give. This is the crisis. And so why don't we pull our kids from the schools? Why don't we teach our own kids? Or why don't we starve the federal government of their funding so that they have to listen to the people about what we think is important to teach our kids? Or is it that a vast, or is it that an overwhelming majority in this country are actually obsessed with prioritizing the LGBTQ as a main point of, uh, of, of uh, elementary or, or, or public school curriculum? Maybe it is. I don't know. It's for me as a person who's running for senator to place that referendum to the American people and let you decide. We're certainly going to decide here in, 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 in Minnesota. Amy Klobuchar certainly has her work cut out for because I'm going to go to the Muslims in the Somali community. I'm going to go to the Muslim men in the Somali community and ask them the question simply, are you guys in support of this transgender initiative? And if you aren't, how can you, in, how can you possibly vote for Ilhan Omar, Amy Klobuchar, or Joe Biden? How, how? How could you do it? Now, what the two Somali Uber drivers told me, and I'll say this to end, what the two Somali Uber drivers told me is they align 80% with the conservative values. 80% of the Somali community aligns with conservative values. The problem they have is that the messaging from the conservatives, the messaging from the Republican Party, which is a broken brand, although I'm running as a Republican, I'm running to help rebrand and revitalize the Republican Party with something that more resembles a party of the people and a party of God and not a party of neocon, rhino, crony capitalist, uh, low tax, low regulation cucks. What they said is that the Republican Party's message is anti-Somalian. And I sat there for a moment and I thought, without being defensive, which we often do when we're on the side of offense and we're talking to somebody who's straddling her on the other side of the fence, our immediate response is to get defensive. And I just thought about it. I took an extra moment to think about it. And I came to the realization that, yeah, he's right. There is a part of the conservative message that is anti-Somalian. There is a part of the, the, the conservative message that's anti-immigrant, illegal or legal. Remember now, the Somalians didn't come here illegally. Some Somalians may be involved in some illegal stuff. Ilhan Omar, probably one of them. But the, the, the Somalians didn't come here illegally. The Somalians came here as a part of a refugee plan from a globalist president who, with the military-industrial complex, took their ass into Somalia 
and had plans for Somalia, and they tore a war path through Somalia, and the consequences were we had Somalian refugees and people who were aides or allies in the State Department or on the ground there in Somalia that needed to come to the United States. And then they get here to the United States after we go to their country and, and say we're fighting against these, these tyrannical tribal leaders in their country. This is a common, this is like the common globalist drugs, sl slavery, and piracy business model motif. We go to a country, identify a tyrant, say our values don't align with that person's values. So now we have to come and kill that person or, or, or uh, you know, supplant that person or get that person out of the way. And now we're going to go put our own person in. And, and in effect, that person doesn't end up being any better. They're just more amenable to some new economic Ponzi scheme we have with that country while we say it's for democracy. Give me a fucking break. Are y'all dumb enough to believe this? On mass, you show that you're not. I hear all you people saying and talking about this stuff every blue moon. But then we get caught back up in the mundane. And all I'm saying is the conservative movement does have an anti-Somali Somali message. Their message presupposes that all the Somalians, by way of ethnic uh, identity, remember now, we don't like our identity politics, by way of ethnic identity, vote for Ilhan Omar. And it, it, it's not a debate. I hear it all the time. Well, what about all the Somalians there that are voting for Ilhan Omar? These people do not like Ilhan Omar. They have presented you with smoke and mirrors of identity, and behind it, they've justified all the corruption and rigging of all of the institutions and mechanisms that are meant to keep your rights safeguarded, to keep your rights sovereign, to keep you self-governing. And they tell you a story, and you buy the story. So who's really to blame? The one who tells the story or the one who buys the story? Who's really to blame, the one who creates the story or the one who can't wait to, 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 to embrace the story? Who is it assigned? Who, who is more corrupt in that, in that equation? The one who creates the lie or the one who embraces the lie and, and, then, and then has the audacity to present the lie back to the public, to promote the lie. It has dawned on me over the last few days and over the last year that the presumption of Somalians voting for Ilhan Omar is a microcosm of the presumption that black people are voting Democrat. We have no clue who's voting for who. I'm talking to black men all across the country saying, I don't even vote. Or they're saying, we don't vote, we vote Republican. All across the country. I had three Somalian men tell me yesterday, I'm voting Republican. We don't do the LGBTQ stuff with our kids. We're Muslim. We don't believe in that. So why do people vote Ilhan Omar? Why are they, why are they voting for? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, my friend. I don't know. I don't vote for her. I didn't vote for her. Referendum. Referendum. It's on us. The will of the people. This is a referendum. This has been another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGid.com. 
you have to buy tires from somebody, you might as well buy them from us and help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota. This has been another, another great, great episode. I enjoy talking to you. I enjoy having these conversations. I enjoy reading some of your feedback and being able to think about things and then come back and respond. It's nothing better. We got to diagnose these problems. But overall, even if you disagree with me, I appreciate your viewership and your listenership now and in the future. It's not really about Deion Sanders and Jason Whitlock. This is about, this is about, this is about the attention of the American people and free people all around the world. What are we interested in? What are the issues we face? Who are the powers that be? And how do we continue to allow ourselves to be distracted? Those are the questions we have to ask right now. The fight continues. Don't die a jerk off. And as always, Godspeed.